Today, we're going to look at how to win the battle within. I'm going to give you powerful offensive and defensive weapons that, if utilized, will help you win the battles that rage daily in your mind. The battles against temptation, depression, doubt, faithlessness, fear, anxiety, anger, bitterness, pride, envy, and the list goes on and on, is all thought in the mind first. If you're busy and don't have a way to take notes, don't worry. Just go to RyanAFrench.com and search for the article 15 Ways to Win the Battle Within, and you'll have quick access to the notes for this episode. 60-second commercial break, and we'll get started. is over with all its lows and lows and highs and mostly lows. We got through it and we're coming into 2021. And today I want to look at some things that will help us in this new year if we apply them to our lives. And uh, hopefully it will be an encouragement to you and a helpful resource to you. I like statistics, but I know from the way people look at me when I bring them up that most people aren't like me. So rather than bore all of you with the details, let me just say, statistically speaking, people are battling depression on an epic scale. And temptation is just always a problem for people. Even Christians seem to be struggling with feelings of despair, temptation, and discouragement in general. Not to mention all of the other emotional issues like fear, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, lust, pornography is a multi-billion dollar business, and uh, it's statistically, again speaking, just as much of a problem among Christians as it is in the world, and uh, people are dealing with lust in their minds, greed, envy, jealousy, uh, and the list could go on. You know, things like greed and jealousy and envy, all of those are promoted, or we should say um, exacerbated by the drastic use of social media, uh, things like Facebook and Instagram, Twitter. I know that I put myself in that age range when I mentioned Facebook first, because uh, I'm in that age where that's my preferred uh, social media. But all of social media, whichever is your preferred avenue of social media, all of it, whether intentionally or un unintentionally, promotes comparison, where we're comparing ourselves to one another. Typically, we're comparing ourselves to someone's best moment, their best day, it causes us to feel inadequate. And, and this really does psychologically play in, a role in people's self-esteem, uh, the way they view themselves and life in general. And all of the things I've just talked about are natural issues that human beings face on a daily basis. But on top of that, there are demonic attacks that fly under the radar, and they're very prevalent. Typically, in, in our Western modern culture, we, we don't view things 
on the spiritual level. So many people are entangled in spiritual battles and they don't even realize they're fighting a spiritual battle. So they're, they're trying to win these wars with carnal weapons, with man-made weapons, and they're left feeling very frustrated because you can't win spiritual battles with carnal weapons. So all of these problems uh, begin in the mind. Every sin starts with a thought. And if that thought isn't dealt with properly, it will produce a sinful action or reaction. The battle for peace is fought in the mind. The battle for joy is fought in the mind. The battle for purity is fought in the mind. And Satan knows this, so he engages your mind first. Because what you think about the most is what you will eventually do or become. That's why the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you if you dwell on something long enough, uh, it becomes a part of you. If you engage your mind with darkness, you're going to be drawn towards darkness. It's really that simple. But on the flip side, if you engage your mind with righteousness, you'll be drawn towards righteousness. That's what Paul meant when he said, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's Romans 12, 4. In Ephesians, Chapter 4, verses 22 through 25, Paul again comes back to this topic of the battle for the mind. And in this passage, he relates it to holiness and overcoming old sinful ways of life. He says the old mind produces old sins, and I'm paraphrasing, but a renewed mind produces holiness. In verse 25, Paul says the first fruit or evidence of that new, renewed mind is truthfulness with our neighbors. In other words, honesty. Honesty with ourselves and honesty with the people around us, the people closest to us. This is a fruit of a, of a renewed, Holy Ghost-transformed mind. The state of our mind informs the status of our actions. It's like the old adage, garbage in, garbage out, and vice versa. I hesitate to say this, but it's just true. My personality is very susceptible to depression, and that's not easy for me to say. Many Christians look down on that. Many Christians are accustomed to emotionally faking it, and they think that's making it. They kick the emotional can down the road, but there's always a day of reckoning when you do that. The number one question, hands down, that I, that I get when counseling with people is some variation of how can I win the battle that's raging in my mind? And the answer isn't a simple one. Most people, including myself, we want a silver bullet that makes all the struggles go away immediately. We want a simple answer, a one point, two point, three point answer that just kicks all of our problems out of our mind. But it, it doesn't work that way. Now, we know as, as Christians, as apostolics, that we have powerful offensive weapons that we should be using daily. Uh, prayer, for example, is a powerful offensive weapon that will cleanse our mind. Fasting. Many people uh, begin a fast right here at the new year. Fasting is a wonderful way, offensive spiritual way to 
win the battle for your mind, the battles that rage in your mind. We know that we can rebuke the devil and he's got to flee. We know that we can call on the name of Jesus. And all of those things are powerful and important, and we should do those things. However, if you're only using offensive weapons and you never lay the groundwork for defense, you will not have lasting victory in your mind. You have to have defensive shields. For example, you can rebuke the devil, but he'll just slither his way back into your thinking if you leave your defenses vulnerable. This is just common sense. We can, uh, we can only be on the offense so much. We have, to, we have to place active barriers of defense in our lives that protect us. And that combined with the powerful offensive spiritual weaponry that we have becomes incredibly effective. That's why today I'm looking at a long list. Now it's 15 things, and I know that some of you are going to tune out when you hear 15, but I'm just being honest with you up front. It's a long list. We are going to go through them as quickly as possible. If you're looking for a shorter Twitter-friendly list, just know there really aren't any shortcuts to safety and guardrails when it comes to your mind. Let's get going. Number one, to win the battle for our mind, to win the battle within, get some rest. Get some rest. I know that's easier said than done. It certainly is for me. Uh, my life is very, very hectic. And uh, I imagine that most of you who are listening to this, you're probably in your car, you're on the go. That's the lifestyle that we live. But let me ask you a question Have you ever been so tired you just didn't care about anything anymore? I mean, real exhaustion, the kind of exhaustion that just absolutely drains you. Exhaustion has a way of draining us physically, of course, but also emotionally. But exhaustion also depletes us spiritually. We, we usually forget that. We know it's physically draining. We know it's emotionally draining, but spiritually it drains us as well. Now, I know there are times that exhaustion can't be avoided, but there are oftentimes, in fact, probably more often than not, when we simply haven't made rest a priority in our lives. We live in a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week culture. And this is hard on the human mind. It's hard on the human body. I, I think this is one of the reasons that God in His wisdom gave us a Sabbath. He gave us uh, in the Old Testament, Saturday is a day of absolute rest, and now we have a spiritual Sabbath on the Lord's Day on Sundays, which God designed for us. At one point, Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for you. You weren't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for your good. So even God rested on the seventh day of creation, not because he had to. God is God. He doesn't need to sleep. He doesn't need to take a nap, but God did it. As, as a divine example for us to tell us that you've got to take time to rest and, and really rest, spiritually recharge, emotionally recharge, physically recharge. If we don't do this, we pay the price for it in our mind. Okay, number two, help somebody. Help somebody. 
we should help others because it's the right thing to do. We all know that. I'm supposed to help people. I'm supposed to be a good neighbor. I'm supposed to be a good uh, member of my church. I'm supposed to be a, a family member that helps my family, a good parent, a good husband, a good spouse. But there are benefits attached to helping others. It's not just something that we do because other people need it. We also need to help people. It's good for us. It takes, it takes our minds off of ourselves, which is a good thing. And it takes our minds off our problems. Helping others forces us. It pushes us out of selfish habits and self-destructive thoughts. It's incredible how quickly our attitude can change when we empty ourselves out in service of others. I recently went into a home. I was trying to help a family, and I was having a really bad week, really bad day. And uh, I walked into this home full of pain and turmoil. And as I was doing my best to help them in the way that I could, all of my stress just lifted off my shoulders. Why? Because it put my pain in perspective. I realized I'm not the only person hurting. In fact, my problems are are really fairly small and insignificant compared to what other people are going through around me. That's what that's what taking the focus off of ourselves does for us. And of course, there are spiritual blessings. God blesses us when we help others. The we we receive the favor of the Lord. Uh, we also receive favor from other people. If you're a selfish person that never goes out of your way to help people, then you're and you're always receiving and you're never giving. Others find it hard to turn around and try to bless you when you need a blessing. If you want to be blessed, you have to be a blesser. That that really is the principle of of being a part, a member of the kingdom of God. This applies to your church as well. Uh, if you want to be blessed by your church, be a blessing to your church. Don't just be a taker. Be someone who's giving, and you'll see the benefits of being a giver very, very quickly. And it will change and rearrange the way you think. All right, number three, and this is a big one. This one's very important, and some of you aren't going to like it. Only listen to Christian music. Only listen to Christian music. Fill your mind with godly music that is uplifting. And the more it talks about Jesus, the better. Listen to it a lot. Nothing has more ability to impact your mind and mood than music. Everything about music is designed to lower your guard and capture your attention. Uh, that's why when people hear a song in, in the grocery store or they're in a restaurant, you'll see people, they'll just unintentionally start tapping their feet or tapping their hand or responding in some way to the music. They may not even like the song. They may not know the song. It might be a terrible, ungodly song, but music has this power, this captivating, spellbinding power that it just gets into our system. It just, it's like a mind worm. It just wiggles its way into our thoughts. And when you fill your mind with sinful lyrics, you've opened yourself up to spiritual attack. You'd be hard-pressed to find a popular secular song that doesn't glorify either casual sex, cursing, violence, drinking, drugs, cheating, lying, greed, lust, godlessness, hopelessness, despair, divorce, and that list could just keep on, keep on going. But you get the idea. So by listening to that kind of music, 
you're handing your mind over to the enemy. If it walks like the world, if it talks like the world, if it sings like the world, if it, you know, if it sounds like the world, it is the world. And, and the world will tug on your mind. And if you allow it to have dominion in your mind, that's a very dangerous thing. You know, music, I love music. I love all styles of music. I'm not talking about styles here. I'm just talking about, about the content and making sure that you're listening to things that draw you to the Lord. The thing about music is that it's really one of the only things that was created by God before our world was created. Music uh, is transcendent. It's very, very spiritual. Music draws you to worship. Now, it may not be drawing you to worship God, but it's drawing you to worship something. Uh, music has this spiritual quality to it that's intangible. Uh, it literally is otherworldly. Satan knows this. He, he, he uses it very effectively. And Christians need to be on guard. I know this is kind of old-fashioned preaching and teaching slash conversation right now. But when you clean up your music and you make the decision, I am only going to allow Christian lyrics, Christian music, Christian thoughts in my home, uh, things that uplift God, that uplift me, it will change your mood. Uh, I talk to so many people who uh, struggle with all kinds of things. Uh, and and it's because of what they're listening to, what they're filling their mind with on a daily basis. So let me say this. Everything I just said about music applies to all of our entertainment choices. Are you against entertainment, Ryan? No, I'm not against entertainment. I think we need to relax. I think it's good to be entertained from time to time. But every choice that you make when it comes to your entertainment affects your mind. Everything from books, magazines, movies. Uh, internet choices, television, games, apps, all of it. It all impacts your mind. You know, you can't be entertained by filth. This is simple, but it's amazing how many people I talk to that do not understand this principle. And they're intelligent people. They're even people who love the Lord. But you can't be entertained by filth and wonder why you're drawn towards filth. You can't, you can't watch horror and wonder why you battle anxiety. You can't laugh at immorality and wonder why you're full of lust. So clean it up. Make make a resolution this year. You're gonna you're gonna throw stuff out. You're gonna clean stuff off your devices. You're gonna you're gonna get it all taken out. Make a covenant with your eyes. Make a covenant with your ears. Dedicate your senses to the Lord and you'll be amazed at how quickly uh, the battle in your mind uh, begins to ease up. Take Philippians 4.8 seriously, and you'll be surprised how quickly your mind will be renewed. Now, um, why don't you let me go ahead and read Philippians 4.8 for you, so uh, in case you're not familiar with it. It says this, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. If Christians would start taking that verse seriously, we would not have the battles raging in our hearts and minds that are raging right now so prevalently in our churches, 
in our homes and our families. Take it seriously. And everything else on this list, if, if you don't take it seriously, everything else on this list of defenses that we've talked about and we're about to talk about will be weakened. If you regularly subject your eyes and ears to worldly entertainment, you will be drawn towards godlessness and worldly things. Temptation will constantly rage in your spirit because you allow so many things into your life that are hard for you to handle spiritually. All right, number four, number four, spend time daily reading the Bible. I know we all know that this is needed and necessary. We've heard it. If you're like me and you're raised in church, you've heard it since you were a little kid in Sunday school. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. I know. I know. I get it. But so often, our most effective spiritual defense and offense, you know, the word is uh, it's a defense for us and it's an offense for us. And we leave it underutilized so often. If you need direction, search the scriptures. If you need encouragement, search the scriptures. Uh, if, if you need a word from the Lord, search the scripture. Why would you leave your most significant resource untouched? The word is a lamp unto our feet, which means it protects us from painfully stumbling and falling. But it's also a sword, meaning it's our greatest offensive weapon against the enemy. When Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness... His strongest offense, Jesus' strongest offense and defense was the word. He said, it is written, it is written, it is written. If you know what is written in the word, you'll learn how to respond to temptation confidently. The reason many people get tripped up by temptation and, and the snares of the devil is because they are not saturated with the word of God. When the Word of God is a part of you, uh, you'll be able to respond to attacks from the enemy in a confident way, both, both offensively and defensively. Okay, now we're going to attach number five. We're going to attach prayer. Pray. Really pray. Really, really pray. Sincerely pray and ask God for strength. Pray until the Holy Ghost falls. Pray when you don't feel like praying. Pray in your car. Pray at work. Pray at home, pray at church, pray for the Lord's will, pray, pray your way through the Psalms. If you don't know how to pray, if you're not used to having a, a, a vibrant prayer life, just open up the Psalms and begin to read them out loud and pray as you do. That's a life-changing, a life-changing way to pray. Uh, it's good to get alone with God in a private place, but you know, some of my best prayer meetings happen in my car when I'm driving down the road. That's what it means to pray without ceasing. It's not that we're just uh, praying out loud all the time, but uh, you can have a prayerful attitude, a prayerful mindset. Be ready to pray at a moment's notice. Let your first response to temptation be prayer. Let your first response to depression be prayer. Let your first response to doubt be prayer. Let your first response to discouragement be prayer. Let that be your default position. Always default to prayer. And when you do, it'll change your life. Don't just pray when you need something. Pray because you want to be close to God. Prayer is about relationship. And put some praise in your prayers. My grandma Smith was, was a wonderful, sweet, godly woman. And she taught me at a young age, I'll never forget, 
and this is going to sound really, really basic to some of you prayer warriors out there, but my grandmother told me, and it stuck with me my whole life, to pray like a sandwich, make it a prayer sandwich. All right. So what she said was, like a sandwich, you have the bun on top, you have the bun on the bottom, and then you have the meat in the middle. So you begin, the bread is praise. You begin with praise, and then you put you put all the meaty things in the middle, and then you end with praise. And she taught me that principle that whenever I go to God, I begin with praise. Then I go to my petitions, and then I go back to praise before I'm done. This really will change the way you pray because praise uh, is invites the presence of the Lord. The Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. So when you start praising God, all of a sudden his presence shows up in a, in a tangible way. And then you can, you can go into your petitions. You can even go into complaints. It's okay to complain a little bit to the Lord. He understands. It, it's all right to whine a little bit, but don't do that without praise. Put praise first, end with praise. You know, we've all known people who only called when they needed something, and it's very frustrating. You have that one friend, they never call, they never communicate until they need something. And then it's like, okay, I know when they call, they're going to need something from me. Don't be that way with God. Have a relationship with God that goes beyond just asking for stuff. God wants you to ask. God wants you to, to petition. But don't just petition. Talk to him about all the in-between stuff. Talk to him about your feelings. Talk to him about your day. Have a relationship with God. Be the kind of person who maintains a daily relationship with God in the good times and in the bad times. If you maintain a good relationship with God when everything is going smoothly, you'll be able to enter into that travail with the Lord when things are going badly. Make prayer a priority in this new year. Okay, number six, remain obedient to the Bible in your personal life, even when no one is looking. Mm. Disobedience invites the demonic. Even worse, disobedience stirs God's wrath. Look at Ephesians 5, 6. It says this, let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Disobedient Christians are miserable because they're fighting demons and suffering the Lord's anger at the same time. Disobedience produces guilt, condemnation, pain, and spiritual resistance. The pain that we suffer while in disobedience isn't God's way of, of trying to make us pay for being bad. That pain is intended to draw us back to him through repentance, kind of like the prodigal son uh, who needed to be in a pig pen before he finally realized that he needed to get back home to the father. That, that's what God does. He allows us to go to pig pens so we can get back into relationship with him. If you're living in disobedience, whether it's open or secret, things are going to get progressively worse for you until you repent and make things right with God. It's just the way that it is. And we've all lived in disobedience. We've all had times and seasons of rebellion in our life. And even if the people sitting next to us at church didn't know, God knew. Even if our pastor didn't know, God knew. Even if uh, our spouse didn't know, God knew. It's very, very important that we remain obedient to every word. Don't just pick and choose your favorite scriptures and say, hey, that's what I want to apply to my life. 
apply every word to your life, every promise, every command, everything, even the things that are hard, apply them, be obedient to the word, and you will see a dramatic shift in the way you think and the way you feel. Many people suffer what I call spiritual depression because what they're actually feeling is conviction because they're not in alignment with God's word. And sometimes they don't even realize it's conviction that they're feeling. They just think it's depression or stress or something like that. And so if you're, if you're feeling, uh, if you're feeling that, that out of sync feeling with God and with your church and, and with spiritual things, search your heart, search your life and say, am, am I being obedient to, to the word? And if you find something that's not right, take it to the Lord in repentance and let him renew you. Okay, number seven, spend time talking with godly, Holy Ghost-filled people, people who will encourage you, not discourage you. Choose your inner circle wisely. Those closest to you will impact your attitude and your mind the most. Your most intimate friendships shouldn't be with unwise or ungodly people. Be kind to everyone, love everyone, but your deepest friendships should be with Holy Ghost-filled encouragers. And by the way, not just people who pat you on the back and tell you you're doing a good job and tell you everything's fine. Have close friendships with people who are wise enough kind enough, and love you enough to tell you the truth even when it hurts. I'm sipping on a delightful Diet Dr. Pepper, another official, unofficial, non-paying sponsor of this podcast. If you'd like to become an official paying sponsor of this program, you can visit anchor.fm forward slash apostolic voice forward slash support and give 99 cents a month. You'll have the epic gift of my deep gratitude and the satisfaction that you've made the devil very mad. And that's always a good feeling. Consider giving this podcast a five-star rating and review on iTunes. I'm not asking you to do that for my own narcissistic pleasure. Every review on iTunes raises us in the search engine algorithms, making it easier for apostolic voice to be found in search engines. Tell your friends about us and give us a share on your favorite social media platform. But most importantly, pray. Pray for us. That's by far the most important thing you can do. As always, thanks for listening. And until next time, God bless. Okay, moving on to number eight. Avoid people, places, and things that will trigger a spiritual attack, temptation, or depression. Now, I know this isn't always possible, but when it's possible, absolutely do it. Eve would have been far less likely to eat the fruit if she hadn't been near the fruit in the first place. The serpent didn't show up until she showed up where she shouldn't have been. Don't set yourself up for failure by hanging around people in places that pull your mind in dangerous directions. Some things aren't sinful by themselves, but they have emotional connections in your mind that trigger unhealthy thoughts. Avoid those things. Avoid those people. Avoid those places. Let me give you an example. I I have a friend 
who was addicted to heroin before he received the Holy Ghost. And, and every time he shot up, he would listen to instrumental jazz music. I have no idea why, but that was what he did. And he would just sit there and he'd wait for the drugs to take effect and the music and all of that. And so whenever he hears jazz music, all kinds of negative emotions come crashing down on him. So if possible, if possible, he avoids jazz music. That's called wisdom. One time I, I found this out because we were riding in the car together and uh, I was just playing some instrumental jazz music. And he very kindly just said, hey, can can we not listen to this? Can we listen to something else? And he, he told me why. And I, I respected that. Now, listen, he's going to have to go places. He's going to be in an elevator and jazz music's going to be playing. He's going to be in a store. Jazz music's going to be playing. We know that. But wisdom for him is saying, I'm going to avoid that when absolutely possible. I'm going to keep that out of my life. Jazz music isn't sinful by itself necessarily, but for him, it was something that he needed to stay away from. We all we all have something like that in our life that we should avoid because it brings up things that pull our mind in a dangerous direction. Get those things out of your life as, as much as you can. Number nine, get to church as soon as possible and grab an altar until God touches you. Now, listen, 2020 has been one of the hardest years that I've been through in terms of ability to gather together in church with God's people. I love church. I love being uh, in services with God's people. I love all kinds of church services. But in 2020, uh, I was in church less than I've ever been in church. I preached less than I've ever preached. It was just the nature of the year. It seems to be getting a little better, at least for our church. But I learned a lesson. We often take church for granted. We take gathering together for granted. We take being able to lay hands on one another and, and grab a hold of one another in the altar for granted. There's a reason we're instructed in Hebrews 10.25 not to forsake the gathering together of godly people. And by the way, that scripture continues on to say, and so much the more as the day of the Lord approaches. So as we get closer and closer to the coming of the Lord, we should be gathering more and more, not less and less. Uh, it's interesting to me, and this is another thought for another day, how uh, it's been so much harder, and I feel like we're getting closer to the day of the Lord, so much harder to gather. But gathering together is a blessing for our benefit. Even the Lord's prayer is written in the plural, not the singular. Give us this day our daily bread. We thrive as a community of believers. We're not made to walk alone. Faith feeds faith. Worship breeds worship. Joy is contagious. When we're weak, we need fellow believers' strengths. And when we're strong, weak believers need our encouragement. There's safety in numbers. The Bible refers to Satan as a lion looking for a person to devour. Lions are, are fascinating because they, store, they stalk enormous prey. They, they follow a herd and they wait for one member of that pack to lag behind or become separated from the others. A, a lion can't take down a, a whole herd of elephants. But if an elephant gets too far behind the herd, a lion will pounce and be able to have the advantage over a much larger, much stronger prey. A herd can defend itself, but a single animal becomes an easy target. Years of ministry 
have taught me that many people avoid church when they're struggling to win the battle for their minds. And that's the worst thing a person can do in that situation. If you have to take a boat, a train, a plane, or walk in the rain, do whatever you have to do to get to church, and you'll be encouraged. And when you get there, participate. Don't just show up. Get there and involve yourself. Uh, when the altar call is given, you know, I have a pet peeve. I'm going to go ahead and just get on this uh, soapbox right now. When an altar call is given, even if it's uh, an evangelistic altar call for people to come and receive the Holy Ghost and repent, it, it bothers me when when saints don't move to the altar to pray. We should We should take advantage of every opportunity we have to go to the altar and pour ourselves out spiritually and let God fill us back up. We ought to do this more and more, and we ought to make this a high priority in this coming year. Number 10, worship the Lord all the time, even when you're alone. This one might sound silly, but you should spontaneously worship the Lord throughout your day. If you love and appreciate the Lord, you're not going to wait till Sunday or Wednesday or whatever time to tell the Lord how much you appreciate Him. You should have you should have spontaneous combustions of praise where you're just you're just suddenly full of joy and worshiping the Lord. Um, sometimes when when I feel depression coming on, I'll just start worshiping the Lord. I can be in my car. I can be in a store. I've had lots of people look at me like I'm crazy because I'll, I'll just randomly say, you know, I love you, Lord. And uh, and that's OK. I don't mind if people think I'm crazy because I want to have a relationship with the Lord where I'm able to step into praise at a moment's notice. All right, number 11, add fasting to your prayers. Add fasting to your prayers. This one's hard. Fasting is hard. And I don't just mean, um, I want to be careful. I don't want to sound condescending in any way, but you know, people these days call all kinds of things fasting except fasting food. But the real biblical precedent that we have for fasting is to abstain from food. It's great to fast from sugar. That's good. It's great to fast from media. That's very, very good. But we need genuine biblical fasting where we literally do not eat for an appointed amount of time. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 14 through 21, a father, a desperate father, brought his demon-possessed son to Jesus for deliverance. The King James Version refers to the son as a lunatic, inferring that the possession and demonic oppression was so strong, it had destroyed the boy's mind. The father had already taken his son to the disciples, but they couldn't cast the demon out. And of course, Jesus cast the demon out immediately, leaving the disciples wondering why they had been powerless. And in verse 19, Jesus rebukes the disciples for their unbelief, their lack of faith. And in verse 21, he reveals the reason for their lack of faith, their unbelief. And he said it was this, it was your lack of prayer combined with fasting. This demon was so strong that it required prayer and fasting to overpower it. There are situations, attacks, oppressions, and spirits that require prayer and fasting to overcome. Fasting brings our mind and body into subjection. It cultivates spiritual awareness and sensitivity. Our mind is sharpened and our spirit is quickened when we fast. And yet it's one of the most underutilized tools 
in our in our spiritual tool belt. But we've got to pull it out. And uh, not just at the beginning of the year, you know, it's common. People start fasting, you know, right here at the beginning of a new year. But schedule sometimes. And I found that it's important to schedule times. Some people that I know uh, have different periods of the year. Every four months, they have a, a specific time that they fast. I know some people that fast a particular day every week of the year. Whatever it is that works for you, and it's it's going to be different for everyone, but find a way to regularly fast, and you'll be amazed how it will renew and strengthen your mind. All right, number 12, keep a prayer journal. For me, this has been one of the most helpful things I've ever done. I write thoughts, prayer requests, questions, goals, you know, everything you can think of, hopes, dreams, testimonies, thoughts. I write them down in in a prayer journal. Now, admittedly, my prayer journal has become a digital journal. I used to do it uh, with an actual notepad and paper, but now I, I do it in my phone. But however you do it, do it. The Bible speaks of overcoming by the word of our testimony. We humans have a terrible habit of fixating on what we need God to do and forgetting what he's already done. This forgetfulness leads to anxiety and disbelief and unbelief. Remembering what God has done builds faith. You know, the Lord convicted me a few years ago. I would be praying for things. And for a long time, I I had uh, several prayer requests that I uh, prayed over for years. And in typical fashion, out of the blue, after years of agonizing and praying, God answered those prayers. I mean, it was like instantaneous. God answered them. And in a moment, those troubles and worries were gone. And then I just moved on to my next set of priorities and prayer requests. Now, I, I thank the Lord in that moment. But when I would think back, I realized it's hard for me to remember the testimonies of what God has done. It's easy for me to remember what I need God to do right now. It's hard for me to remember what he's done. This is like the Israelites with they, you know, God parted the Red Sea for them. And I mean, they barely step foot in the wilderness and they're already doubting God again. Why? Because it's very, very hard for us to remember everything God has done. But if we write it down, if we write it down, not only does writing it down help us remember because when we when we put our thoughts to paper, uh, it helps with our memory. But it also gives us something we can go back to. So now I can go back to a prayer journal. I can I can pull it up and I can say, "Oh, wow! I had forgotten, but the Lord did this for me." It's incredibly encouraging, and it'll refresh your mind. Okay, number thirteen: study a specific subject in the Bible. Studying the Bible is different than just daily Bible reading. We should read the Bible every day, but we should also study the Bible. And if you're not used to doing this, let me give you a few few suggestions. First, find a subject that you don't fully understand and dig deeply until you understand that subject inside and out, whatever it is. If it's it's baptism, study baptism. Uh, If it's grace, study grace. If it's justification, there's a word that I've uh, thrown out to some people just wondering what they thought it meant. A lot of people don't know what justification means. Find a word that you've heard preached 
and and you've heard it and you thought, man, I'm, I'm not 100% sure what justification is. And study justification until you know everything there is to know about it. Knowledge is power in the spirit, and Satan operates best in confusion. Perhaps you have a, an area of holiness where your church has a standard that you don't understand, and uh, maybe you struggle because you don't want to keep that standard. But when you look internally, you know, hey, I don't even understand biblically anything about this. Well, make a determination. I'm going to study that subject inside and out until I know everything there is to know about it. Okay, number 14, stay busy. Now, I know that seems like it's uh, a little bit of a, a contradiction to our, our first point, which was to get some rest. And when I say stay busy, I, I don't mean to... Um, have a crazy lifestyle where you're just never having rest. But I, I do mean that we shouldn't allow boredom to enter into our life. We shouldn't have so much free time where we just bored and don't know what to do. Especially young people struggle with this. Boredom is the devil's playground. Too much free time uh, will create a vacuum that trouble quickly fills. Let me read 1 Timothy 5.13 to you. Says this, and with all they learned to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. When we're idle, when we have too much time on our hands, it leads to gossip, many, many other things. In in the digital technological age, boredom can be incredibly dangerous. Uh, so avoid it. Feel, if you're looking for something to do, find a way to be busy in your church. I, I promise you, there are things that your pastor and your the ministry in your church desperately needs help with. Uh, find a way that you can volunteer. Find a way that you can get involved. Again, going back to an earlier point, find a way you can help somebody and fill up your free time. All right, our last thought. Number 15, listen to a lot of good, anointed apostolic preaching and content. I highly recommend downloading the Holy Ghost radio app and the Revival radio app. They're free and they're fantastic. Uh, you can you can download my church podcast, Apostolic Tabernacle, UPCI. You can get it on all the different platforms. Lots of great churches out there have, uh, have podcasts, video and audio. And uh, of course, you're listening to this, so continue to do that. There's tons of great podcasts out there these days, apostolic content. My brother Nathan hosts a weekly podcast called Noteworthy, and it's incredible. Uh, you should check it out. Uh, you should look at The Restorationist by Adam Shaw, Kingdom Speak by Pastor Daniel McKillop, uh, Simplify by L.J. Harry. You can go down the list. There's all kinds of things, but fill your mind with good apostolic content and preaching, and, and you'll be amazed how filling your mind with that kind of content on a daily basis will help you. One last thought before I get out of here. The devil attacks people's minds immediately after powerful spiritual events. It was right after Jesus' baptism. It, the Bible says immediately after bap being baptized, he was carried into the wilderness and tempted by the devil. There's tons of other biblical examples, but if you know that this is the way the devil operates. You can be prepared and you can respond appropriately because you know that's how the devil works. So for example, if you have a powerful encounter with God in, in prayer, just know the devil's going to attack you. 
as quickly as he can so he can discourage you after that prayer time. If you're in a powerful church service where God just speaks to you and moves in your life in a in a in an incredible way, just know the devil's going to he's going to try to carry you into the wilderness immediately after that happens. Don't be discouraged by that. Don't think you're alone in that. Don't think that makes you somehow a weaker or lesser Christian. Just know that's one of one of the devil's uh, greatest tricks and one of his most prevalent ways of trying to depress us after being uplifted by the Lord. I'm praying for everybody. I'm praying for your mind. I pray that men especially, let's get our minds under control in this coming year. Let's apply these shields to our mind, and let's see how God will bless us. Thank you for listening. This is the Apostolic Voice Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan French. God bless you all.